Let's go back to Matthew chapter number 8 tonight. And uh, the Lord sort of led me in the direction of, a, of another miracle. Uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 14. Matthew 8, 14. I want to get into Matthew 9 for the weeks out, of course. Uh, but tonight... Matthew 8, 14. Just four verses again. Not a long text at all. Would you stand with me? And, uh, we will read the Word of God. Preacher, do I need to put that microphone on? I'm all right. But, uh, if they need it, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to wear it. You can let me know. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Thank you. Better without the hardware. That's right. Holds you down sometimes. And when Jesus, have y'all got it? Verse 14 there. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid. She'd been laid down, she said. And uh, sick of a fever. Watch what the Lord did. And he touched her. I'm leaving out a word. And he touched her hand. And the fever, you tell me, the fever did what? Left, Left her. And she arose. I mean, she got out of the bed. And ministered unto them. Anybody believe that really happened? Amen. I do too. I want to read verse 16. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with the devils. Look at that. And he cast out the spirits with his, tell me, with his what? Word. With his word. And he healed half that were sick. Did I miss it? All that were sick. Why did he do that? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. That's Isaiah. Just the New Testament spelling of Isaiah. That it might be fulfilled was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself, that's Jesus, bear our infirmities, I'm sorry, took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. You may be seated. I, uh, honey, I don't have my timer right there somewhere, I'm sure. You're probably going to say, Why do you need a timer? You'll know soon. <laughs> if I don't time it, I'll go on and on and on. And I think my wife can't find it. So I don't know what we're going to do. I see it, honey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get a lot of call. Years ago, before so many revivals, God's opened the door every week now. I taught, pastored, and I taught in a in a Bible college. I love that. I like to be around young preachers. And the pastor at the church, the president of the little Bible college. He said, Brother Bagwell, we'd like to try something. We've got men that work all day and then they come to school. Some of them don't even get supper. He said, we're going to try to get a lot more done in a little, long story short. He said, would you teach two and a half hours every night? Two and a half hours. Uh, and I thought, there ain't no way. <laughs> that you can stand and teach two and a half hours. You'd run out of material, you'd get tired, and 
And uh, I said, Preacher, I, all I can tell you is that I'll try. Two and a half hours. I didn't have a bit of trouble. <laughs> and that's why I have to have that. Could I get an amen? <laughs> My wife said it. Uh, the healing, we call it, of Peter's mother-in-law. But in my text tonight, only two verses deal with that miracle. And then two verses deal with a bunch of miracles. Let's look at it a verse at a time. We will nearly, with four verses, we can nearly look at it a word at a time. How many of you believe the Holy Ghost wrote every word in that Bible? And I think he wants us to study it. Yeah. Word. Or in fact, Jesus healed her with a word. Right. The power of his word. Verse 14. When Jesus was come into Peter's house. I've got to tell you something about Matthew. In these miracles, Matthew does not give a lot of detail. He does not describe these events in, in living color. Mark does. Right. And Luke often will. Luke tells us more about the fever than did, right. than did Matthew. In fact, Luke calls it great fever. Matthew. As a general rule, and this might be worth writing down, Matthew shortens Mark's account and Luke's account on average about 55%. That's half. And yet, amen, the same Holy Ghost is leading Matthew. That's right. Who led Mark or Luke. 55%. And I've been asking myself, you know how we do it. Why? Why? Matthew said, and I've come to this conclusion. Mark loves to give the detail. Mark, John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, he's the youngest of all the Gospel writers. He is probably the youngest writer in all of Scripture. Can I make an announcement and get an amen? God can use young people too. Right. And, and uh, Mark is too young to have seen all that Jesus did. Preacher, he just wouldn't have been old enough. And yet, you just told me Mark gives the detail. Yep. By the way, Mark might not have been there, but the Holy Ghost was there. But we really believe this. I'm basing it on 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. It looks like and I can't go into it, I wouldn't have time. It looks like Mark, a young believer, got saved at a young age. Simon Peter took Mark yeah. under his wing. Right. Taught him. Loved him. Spent time with him. And I believe Peter, who was there, right. Peter, who is an eyewitness, I believe the Holy Ghost used Peter to tell Mark these beautiful facts about our Lord. And Mark gives the detail. For example, when Jesus fed the 5,000, not counting women and children, Mark says, and the Lord had him sit down on the green grass. Mark, the green grass. There's only one way you could have known the grass was green that day. I needed it. You'd have had to be there. Right. And Peter was there. Yeah. Peter shares that with Mark. Matthew don't care what color the grass is. Doesn't matter to him if it's springtime or, or, or the fall of the year. Matthew is interested in one thing. That's why he doesn't give a lot of the detail. And here's the one thing he's interested in. Somebody uh, help me rejoice. He's interested in magnifying Jesus. Uplifting the Lord. That's what he does in every single one of these miracles. And, and, uh, and, and, and having said that, 
when Jesus was come into Peter's house. Mark is how I got on that all again. Mark tells us this happened on a Sabbath day. Uh, in Mark, Jesus has been to the synagogue. They meet on Saturday, on the Sabbath. It's a Jewish institution. And, uh, and so on Sabbath in the Old Testament, oh, I hope I get an amen, is the equivalent of the Lord's Day in our town. We don't worship on Saturday. That's a law. We worship on Sunday. That's grace. Why do we worship on Sunday? I can't wait to tell you, because that's the day he got up out of the grave. This is a celebration of his resurrection. After the Lord had spent the day at the Sabbath at the synagogue, he goes that evening to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter's house. This miracle occurs, and you've been reading your chapter in Capernaum. Simon Peter, when we first met him, lived in Bethsaida. Uh, here's the Sea of Galilee. I'm just drawing an oval. It's actually sort of heart-shaped. Over here is Bethsaida. That's where the fishing village. That's where Peter lived. But Capernaum is across the sea, that northern quadrant over here. And, and uh, Jesus is in Capernaum. And, and, uh, and now Peter's house is in Capernaum. There's only one way to explain that. When Jesus set up headquarters in Capernaum, Peter, who lived in Bethsaida, hope I get a name in, he moved. Yeah. Why did he move? I know the answer to that. He moved to be closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, that, that, that could be preached for me. If you're in a church, and y'all aren't, unless they're visitors here, if you're in a church where you're not hearing God's word, I got some advice. An amen. You ought to move. Amen. You ought to move. You might not have to change the dresses, but you ought to move and get in the church where you are going to hear the word of God. Amen. I'm impressed. Peter said, I'm going to be near him. Amen. I'm going to be with him. I'll just move. And that was quite a, an endeavor in those days long ago. Jesus has gone into Simon Peter's house. And by the way, the word there for house, this may not be all that important, but it's okia. O-K-I-A. Okia. And what does it mean? Oikos means household. There's mama, daddy, children, servants, and them. Okia means the house itself. Jesus has gone into the building, the structure, the actual house. Where Peter lived. That's where Jesus has gone uh, this evening. Now, here's something you could think. Why didn't Jesus go home? Why, why, why didn't he? Oh, boy, I'm going to quote a verse. This verse will show up later this week. Foxes have, does somebody want to fill in the blank? Foxes have, the birds of the air have, but the Son of Man, doesn't have anywhere to lay his hand. He didn't have. You say, when you go over there where Mary lives, Capernaum, his brothers don't believe in him. They don't get saved, it looks to me like, until after his resurrection. He doesn't have a home there. But he knows there's a house over there where Simon Peter is. And they'll welcome tonight. They'll welcome him tonight. Can I say something to Blue Ridge Baptist Church? Always welcome him here. Amen. Always open your arms for the Savior to come. We're still in verse 14. Jesus came into Peter's house and he saw his wife's mother. Peter's wife's mother. Y'all are an intelligent crowd. I, I'm impressed with how you're answering these Bible questions. Peter's wife's mother, that would be Peter's mother-in-law. Mother 
mother-in-law is living with Simon Peter. A lot of jokes about mother-in-laws, good and bad, and so forth. But it's no problem here. His mother-in-law is living in the house. I don't want to open a discussion that, that I won't have time to deal with. All right, that's a sort of a simple statement. Please say amen. That means Peter's married. <laughs> you see, you can't have a mother-in-law unless you're married. Well, why would you bring that up? That's silly. Peter's married. I hope I don't offend anybody. I wouldn't do it for the world. But the Roman Catholics, the Roman Catholics, they believe Peter is their first pope. Yeah, yeah. Y'all know that? that, that yeah. Peter's the first pope. Just one little problem. In their doctrine, the pope can't be married. The pope must be celibate. I'm really going out on the limb. I don't think Peter was the first pope, do you? He's married. He's married. They also believe the Pope never sins, that he is immaculate. Well, I'll tell you this much about Peter. You can read your New Testament, no, he sins. He has committed some, he has committed some sins of major import. Peter's not the Pope. I think I'll just say this. There is no man alive who's never sinned. Including the Pope. It is an impossibility. That's enough of that. Peter is a married man. And, and they saw his wife's mother laid. Uh, the verb is follow. We'll talk about it later this week. They've had to lay her down. They've had to put her in bed because she's sick. Sick. Uh, uh, she is sick of a fever. She is sick of a fever. Let's talk about that word fever. Uh, the Greek root, the, the heart of the word is spelled P-U-R, fever. And let me tell you what P-U-R means in Greek, fire. It is the word for fire. Now, I hope y'all were country enough to understand this. I'm just old country boy. You know what they're saying? She was on fire. She was burning up. She has a, again, Luke, a great fever. And let me tell you something about that day and that time. They didn't have aspirin. They didn't have Tylenol. They didn't have medical ways of reducing a fever. And I think if a fever gets high enough, long enough, it can do some major damage. She can be, she could be mortally sick laying in that bed that Sabbath evening. Uh, let's look some more. Now, now, you correct me if I say something wrong. And they begged Jesus to heal her. Somebody challenge me, please. And they begged Jesus to heal her. That's not in that Bible. Not a hint. They said, would you do something for Peter's wife's mother? They didn't have to ask him, old boy. He saw a need. I say he saw a need. I need an amen. And he met it. Amen. Mm. There's a beautiful little verse. Isaiah records it and, and probably can be applied, you know, as far as the future is concerned. But here's what he said. Before they called, God's talking, before they called, I will answer. Uh, this, is, this is not wise to do what I'm about to do, but here I go. Any of y'all ever thought it? I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray about that. And before you could get the prayer out, God 
had already answered that thing. Yes, sir. Amen. Debbie and I, I don't know what day it was. I have a cell phone. She's got a cell phone. You have to have it when you're a preacher always on the road. No, way, no other way anybody can contact you. And we were having a conversation. Just a simple conversation. And it wasn't 15 minutes on her iPhone. An ad popped up discussing what we had been talking about. Yes. I find that amazing. Yes. I find that scary. If you want to know the truth. How'd that get into this sermon? The Lord Jesus. If you'll smile. He beats Siri. He beats Alexis. Or whatever those. Electronic get. He knows. He knows. Before they call. I will answer. And he saw a need. Peter hadn't even got around. To praying about it. And the Lord has already healed Peter's mother-in-law. Could I just announce he's that kind of a Savior? He's that kind of a Savior. Hallelujah. Uh, we're in verse 15. Is that where we are? Now, y'all are acting like you don't know what verse we're in, and that's okay. But we started at 14. <laughs> We're going to end at 17. That's the only way you got to know. How much longer are you going to be in here? <laughs> I suspect we're at verse 15. I suspect if I had started over at verse 14, I'd have had somebody saying, whoa, 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 preacher, you've already talked about 14. Look at verse 15. That's all I'm trying to say. And he Here's that word again. Give it to me. And he what? He touched. And he touched her. We had it this morning with a leper. Hap to me. And he touched her. But would you recall it means he fastened. Remember? Fastened onto her. He, he gripped her, if you will, please. I don't know how to say it. There's something about Jesus. I need an amen that's mighty powerful. Amen. If I can ever connect, if I can ever touch, even by faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, something will happen right. in my heart and in my, I don't know if we'll get to see it this week. I don't know how the sermons will go. But there was a lady, she had a big medical problem. Uh, preacher, she's hemorrhaging. And she said, if I can touch the hem of his, if I can just touch his tassel on his breath, if, if I can do that, I believe I will be made whole. By the way, she touched him. One of the gospels said, Jesus knew that virtue had gone out of him. He felt that power that healed that Jesus has touched. Didn't get asked. Saw the need. He touched Peter's wife's mother. I wonder, I'm just guessing, reckon that means the Lord could heal one of our loved ones? Yeah. Reckon that means he could come into our home and, and do something majestic? Of course it means that. As well. But there's more in verse uh, 15. I stopped short deliberately. And he touched her. I need that next word. And he touched her what? Hand. I'm not going to preach about hand. Tired of it this morning. It would be a good thing to say, but not again now. Already had it. Don't want to do it. He touched her. I don't know how this is going to go over, but I feel like I ought to say it. If you're a man and there's another woman around, please say amen. Don't let me die on the vine up here. You better be careful where you touch her. Right. 
he touched her hand. He touched her hand. Did I make an announcement? David got a war in a world of trouble. I'm not sure David ever got over it because he touched Bathsheba in the wrong way. Yeah, right. Jesus touched her hand. That's permissible. That's acceptable. Right. Oh, Dr. John Ray, sort of my mentor many years ago in Atlanta, Georgia. I got to go to school there. He let me teach in the Bible college there. He had a saying. He'd tell us, preacher boy, he'd warn us again and again. He said, fellas, beware, his quote, of the touch of strange flesh. The touch of strange flesh. Will anybody agree with me? A lot of preachers got into a lot of trouble because they touched in the wrong way. Right. He touched her hand. You can't be too careful. You can't be too careful in this area. He touched her hand and, look at this, and the fever left her. Immediately, I reckon, the fever left her. Uh, uh, the word there, it departed. The fever was dismissed yeah. from her. The Lord's touch brought healing in her life. Could I make an announcement? If a Tylenol can do it, if an ibuprofen can do it, it might be the same thing, I don't know. If two aspirin can do it, you mark her down, my Savior can do it. He touched her, and the fever has gone. You say, preacher, I don't know if that's all that big a miracle or not. Could I make another announcement? It seems like all I'm doing is making announcements tonight. There's no such thing as a little miracle. No such thing as a little miracle. She was made whole. But that's, that's not the end of the story. Uh, the fever left her, and she, and she, I know I'm asking you for a lot of work. What'd she do? She, I love the way your people answer. Sometimes I'll do that, and one person, and always got a soft voice, and I like it when you let me have it. She, arose. Let's talk about that a minute. My wife says you're a nurse, sister, or in the field of medicine. Uh, when you get sick, and you've been sick a while, when you get well, it takes, somebody say amen, it takes a while to recuperate. Right. Right. I was going to say, take it easy now a few days. You go back full steam ahead. Jesus touched her. The fever left her. Please smile. And that girl got up and went to work. Right. Yeah. I'm suggesting to you that Jesus can heal without all of the slow process of recovery being involved. I asked a man once if he was saved. And, and this is why, I guess, I'm thinking of it. He said, I'm about half saved. I'm about half saved. And I guess he had doubts or something. Ain't no such thing as half saved. Right. You either are or you are not right. saved. Yeah. If Jesus is going to save you, it don't take him four days to do it. Hallelujah. Her fever's gone. My soul got saved. Hallelujah. And she arose. You say, yeah, but you said she got up and went to work. Well, I hadn't read that next word yet. But she got up. Well, let's just go ahead and look at it. It's in verse uh, 15. She arose and ministered unto me. Ministered unto me. Let me give you that word, minister. Diakoneo. Oh, that sounds funny. Diakoneo. It's a Greek verb. 
What does it mean, diakoneo? It gives us a word we use in our Baptist churches. Diakoneo gives us the word deacon. Diakoneo gives us, gives us the word deacon. That means he's a deacon. And I don't need somebody. Oh, no, it don't. Oh, no, it don't. Deacon's got to be the husband of a wife. One wife. Got to be a man. So she's not. She's not a deacon in a Bible-believing church. We know better than that. But diakoneo, what does it mean? Literally, to serve, to be a servant. Uh, in a local church, oh, this could get touchy. I don't know, it just depends. Deacons are not bosses. Right. Well, it's my church. This church don't belong to anybody but the Lord Jesus. The word deacon, diakoneo, literally means servants. Servants. You know what good deacons are? They're servants to the church. Servants to the widow ladies. Servants in anywhere. Uh, the first deacons uh, watched tables and, and, and kept tables and, uh, in Acts chapter 6. And that's what, the, that, that's what, here's how the whole idea of deacons came up in Acts 6. A little problem in the church. Dealt with the widows in the church. And the Holy Ghost said to the preachers, Look ye out seven men full of the Holy Ghost that we may appoint over this business, that we, the preachers, that we may give ourselves totally, wholly to prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. Good deacons take the load in many instances off the man of God, but he give himself to prayer and the best thing you can do for your preacher, and I suspect you're doing it. Things look in pretty good shape. Blue Ridge Baptist Church. But the best thing you can do for him is let him get in the word, stay in the word, immerse himself in the word, and step up to that pulpit and overflow the word, bubble out the word of God all over you good folks Sunday after Sunday. She rose and ministered unto them. I'm still wondering what does it mean? It means to serve. Minister to them. I'm going to tell you what I think she did. I don't like to use that word think too much. I'm going to tell you what the word implies that she did. I don't know how spiritual you're going to think it is either. I need about four amens if you can agree. I think she cooked supper. Amen. <laughs> I say I think she cooked supper. Amen. She arose. Well, why ain't supper already done? What's Peter's wife doing? She's been tending and worrying about him. Okay. She got up and cooked it. Aren't you glad among saved ladies, y'all better say amen, there's some good cooks. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Something's coming to my mind. That's why I need my timer. In Luke chapter 10. Two sisters. Uh, one of them's named Mary. What was the other one's name? Martha. Martha. They are born of the same womb. They are indeed sisters. Pretty close, it looks like at times. And uh, they loved for Jesus to come by their home. They lived in Bethany along with their brother whose name was Lazarus. Oh, they loved for the Lord to come by. And the Lord seemed to love to go there. But oh, how these sisters were different. She arose and ministered to them. Let's talk about Mary. Every time you see Mary in the Bible, 
She is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Every time you see her. The first time is there in Luke 10. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. And get this. He's teaching her. Talking to her. Out of the word of God. That's unusual. In that day, a teacher, a rabbi, could not have women pupils. It was unheard of in the Jewish culture for a woman to learn the Bible. They said, that's, that's a man's work. Oh, boy, I hope I get it. Boy, I'm glad ladies can learn the Bible. And She's at Jesus' feet learning. Second time you see her, she is... Uh, she is uh, her brother Lazarus has died. And uh, she's upset. And uh, with some persuasion, she goes out to meet Jesus who is returning. Jesus knew about it, but he didn't come. She fell on her knees. She said, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, I, I realize that's in the book. You've been here. Sounds regretful. He wouldn't have died. But she's still at the feet of Jesus. And then we see her in John 12. And uh, in John 12, Jesus is in the house. He's going to be crucified in a week thereabouts. And Mary takes this big box, alabaster box of ointment, breaks it. I guess she's at his feet. She's anointing right. his feet. Three times she's at his feet. Could I say something? I thank God for Mary's who enjoy spending time around Jesus. I'm taking too long with this. i got to get back to my verses. Did I talk about Martha a minute? That one night, again, Luke 10, when Jesus stops by the house and Mary is at his feet talking Bible, guess where Martha is? She's in the kitchen. She's trying to fix supper for the Lord. And Martha gets a little bit upset at her sister. <coughs> and she yells out into the living room where the Lord is. Mary. And she said, trying to fix suffering here. We smile. Sure could use a little help. Yeah. And I'll declare, Mary just keeps up. Jesus had to say something to Martha, though he loves her dearly. Martha, you're in comfort about many things. Uh, you're, you're worried and, uh, and uh, cooking in the kitchen. Uh, but Mary now has chosen the better part, sitting at my feet. It almost looks like the Lord commends Mary and rebukes Martha. Boy, dare I say this. Martha's cooking supper. Now, let Mary alone. She's here at my feet learning. Martha, you're worried about too many things. But I bet Jesus ate supper that night anyway. <laughs> I bet when supper time came, he and his disciples sat around that table and they, had, they asked God to bless the meal and bless the food. And I imagine they enjoyed Martha's good cooking. All I'm saying, Peter's mother-in-law, she sort of built, bent, uh, created like Martha. She's a kitchen girl. She likes to work with her hands. I thought a few of you ladies would be nodding a little bit. Man, she likes to work with her hands. Now, a man, I'm going to say something to you. Every man in this house is either married to a Mary or a Martha. Uh, yeah. 
And if you don't know which one you got, you better figure it out. <laughs> if, if, if you're married to a Martha, she'll love to talk. She'll enjoy discussing the things of God. She'll, she'll love. Uh, she'll, do I say this? She might not be the best cook, but boy, she'll be a good companion to you. <laughs> and if you're married to a Martha, I say, if you're married to a Martha, busy, busy, busy. Preacher, I'm breathing. I've got to get my cup. I got a feeling Martha's house would be a whole lot cleaner than Mary's. <laughs> I got a feeling Martha's busy, 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 busy. And in this church, I'm talking right now to some Marys and some Marthas. Can I say this? I'm glad for both of them, aren't you? I'm glad for those ladies that love to hear, oh, how I love Jesus' son and enjoy, enjoy the good things. Not that Martha didn't. But Mary majors on that. And then I sure am glad for ladies that can cook. I sure am glad that ladies that know how to clean the house. I'm so glad for ladies. I'm so glad for ladies who stay busy for our Lord. Right. If you're married to a Martha, you better learn to say thank you, you little rascal. <laughs> Because as good as she is and as much as she does, a word of thanks don't hurt. Yeah. A word of appreciation means the world yeah. to that girl. Are y'all okay? <laughs> I'm reading my wife too. <laughs> She's a good combination, but she's more Martha than me. Oh, can that girl cook? And oh my. Uh, the blessing, house clean, that's a blessing beyond, yeah. beyond measure. That's oh, we're going to get these other two verses. I'm on pronto. Tomorrow's her birthday. <laughs> September the 19th. And uh, I'm thankful for her. What a blessing she's been in my life. How many of you men would say the same thing? You thank God for your wives. I'm going to give you one more. The two of, two of you didn't say a word. Give you a chance to redeem yourself. How many of you men thankful for your wives? <laughs> See, she is serving others. Verse 16. Verse 16. And when the evening was come, it's got on toward dark now. When the evening was come, they brought to him many that were possessed with devils. At the end of the verse, that were sick. They're bringing a crowd to the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> I'm going to condense these last two verses. You've been in church, this is the second time. Uh, for most of you, and, and uh, it looks to me like it's getting dark outside, and I, I, I don't want to wear you out. I want you to come back tomorrow night. <laughs> I don't want to wear you out, but uh, he healed one lady, and now a crowd, a crowd wants to gather around our Lord. Can I tell you something? hope somebody agrees. Good news travels fast. Amen. Bad news can too at times, but good news. He made her well. I saw it and he touched her. And immediately she rose up, done cooked supper, cleaned half the house, and others are drawn to our love. The best thing you can do for Jesus, I'm talking about witnessing, the best thing you can do for Jesus, somebody say amen, is tell others what he did for you. Right. Tell others what he did for you. I know what he can do. I saw him do it. I've experienced it. And uh, he is doing what? They brought to him many possessed with devils. I'm just going to say this about possessed with devils. It's a 10-minute discussion. We're not going there. The word 
simply means controlled by devils. Controlled by demons. Preacher, if I should be led with the Lord to preach, there's another miracle, as you know, in these ten, about two demon-possessed men. I can say more than controlled by devils. Here's what I think. I wonder, obviously, you men know the Bible. You ladies know your Bible. I think everybody is controlled either by the Holy Ghost or by some other spirit. Everybody. I'm not saying everybody's demon possessed. It's not full of the Holy Ghost. But I am saying we are controlled. We are controlled by something outside of ourselves. These men are different. We don't know that they're not women. Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her. And the Lord kept them. These people are demon possessed. And Jesus with a word. With a word. Get me an amen. Cast those demons out. Cast those demons out. I used to use the verb exorcise, E-X-O-R-C-I-S-E, which means he cut them out, cut the demons out, but I don't use that word anymore. I I learned that that word means it has the word for oath in it. In, In Jesus' day, there were hundreds of exorcists, people who cast out Devils and demons, or they claim to. They practiced it by magic. They would cast out a demon uh, with, uh, y'all know what I mean, abracadabra, some kind of formula, some kind of a, a, a magical incant, and they said, and the devil left. I have my doubts. Jesus didn't have to use magic. Right. Jesus didn't have to say abracadabra. It's ekbalo. He threw the demon. Through the demon out of that, the power of the word of our Lord. Oh, so much that ought to be said. We'll come back to it. Uh, He cast out the spirits, there it is, with his word. With his word. Be gone. And those evil spirits were gone. And then he healed all that were sick. And the reason I reverse that word, I shouldn't have done it. I, I got to get out of that habit. Uh, I said healed half. And y'all said no, no, didn't heal. Healed all. The importance of that he healed everybody right. that day, that evening, that was sick. Did you know there's some healings Jesus does, and the faith of the person he heals is never mentioned. Never mentioned. He just called off and healed them. And, and, and when you use that word all, some of them probably had sin in their lives. I guess they all did really. And, and, uh, but he healed them anyway with the power of his word. And by the way, can I say this and get an amen? You're holding the word of God in your hand. Amen. The power of his word. But we've got to get that last verse quickly. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He's quoting from Isaiah 53. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And and, and the verbs there are very very strong verbs. Isaiah said, He will, He will take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. I wish you could see the preacher. I love him. His eyebrows are raised. His eyes are big. And he's a good pastor. He's responsible for what's said over this book. I think he's saying, oh my. What's he about to say? (laughs) What is he going to say? And we agree, preacher, I'm sure. The miracle of Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary, hope I get an amen, is that my sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. It's a sure thing. 100%. It'll never fail. If a sinner in faith repents, 
trusts the blood of Jesus, I need a big amen. He'll save their lives. But now we're talking not about soul self, we're talking about healing. Physical healing. No doubt in my mind, the Lord can still heal bodies. Oh, uh, pray for me. But I believe I can tell you sometimes in the Bible, people got sick and the Lord did not heal them. I believe I can tell you sometimes in the Bible, people got sick and the Lord would not heal them. Right. I guarantee salvation, thought, repent, and trust the blood. Listen to me. I am not guaranteed healing. Every time that I get sick. Uh, one day Paul got sick. The Apostle Paul. This is a fella who has healed hundreds of people with the past. Paul got sick. Uh, he nicknamed his sickness a thorn in the flesh. Watch what Paul does. Son, he got on his knee to be prayed. Lord would take us away from it. And the Lord didn't take it away. Wow. He prayed twice. Paul don't have to pray twice about a lot. And the Lord still didn't take it away. Oh, you can't keep a good man down. Paul prayed three times. And the Lord didn't heal him. The Lord said, I'm not taking this one away. I'm not going to make you well. I have given you. I have given you this thorn in the flesh so you won't get proud. You won't get exalted above measure because the abundance of rain. There are times it's not God's will to heal. Could I get an amen? amen? Besides this, if the Lord don't come get us, if the rapture doesn't occur this year, next year, ten years from now, uh, some of us are going to go to heaven. Right. And if you're going to go to heaven, you're probably going to get sick. Before you make that it's not all, it's God's will to save. It's not always God's will to heal. And we've got to ask him for discernment. We've got to ask him for wisdom. I think I'll close the sermon with this. we just got to say, Lord, thy will. Thy will be done. Y'all okay? Let's bow our heads.